said. Um, my mother was born in 1935, and uh, she was the fifth child. It's probably good for me to stand behind the pulpit this Sunday. I'll look at my notes and I'll be to the point. Um, my mother was born in 1935 and was the fifth child in her family, uh, a working class family, in the days that followed the Great Depression. And um, I'm sure my grandmother and grandfather Roberts lived uh, hopefully paycheck to paycheck if there was a paycheck. Um, but there were some hard days. Um, my grandparents had met in the early 1920s. I remember my grandfather was born in 1888 which is hard for me to even grasp my, wrap my brain around. Um, my grandfather was 35 when my, he married my grandmother, my grandmother was 20. Um, my, my grandfather was not raised in a Christian home and uh, by his own admission was an alcoholic uh, by the time he was in his 30s, and he was way away, away from God. And I don't know the circumstances of my grandfather's conversion, uh, but Jesus saved my grandfather in the early 1920s, and he took his addiction away, and he set his feet on a path of following God, and he met my grandmother, and they married, and as I said earlier, uh, in 1935, they had their last child. A lot of hard years and some stories I could tell. Um, but my spiritual, as I've told you before in, in years past, my, my spiritual heritage passes through uh, my grandfather Roberts, Frank A. Roberts. It was what God did in his life uh, that changed um, my life, ultimately, even though I wasn't born until 1962. Um, just to help you put it in per perspective, you take a man who was an alcoholic and was away from God, and God saves him. And a uh, hundred plus years later, well, almost a hundred years now, uh, there are 14 of us in his direct line that are either pastors ministers or missionaries um, and I'm one of those um, my mother um, was born into this family and it was very hard times um, she had the sense she was just another mouth to feed but there was something about my mother and um, when she was got out of high school, she went. She moved to Texas 
to work her way through Baylor University. And something about my mother, when she graduated, she decides to move to Odessa, Texas. And within a month, she meets my father on a blind date. And as it happens in those days, about three months later, they were married. And about 13 months later, my brother was born. And another 13 months, my sister was born. And another 13 months or so, I was born, as it happens in those days. Um, um, and we were raised in a Christian home and there was a lot of things that my mother has said through the years to instill that Christian faith in us But one of the things she said to us early in life and now late in life is God has a plan. God has a plan. My mother did not speak that as a theoretical truth. She spoke that as an experiential truth that she had seen God's hand move in her life as a little girl even before she was born how God had moved in Frank A. Roberts' life that changed the course of her life. And in her days of, I don't even have time to tell you where she and my father lived when they first got married and all the little kids that came within the first four years. Um, but all through the years, my mother has said, God has a plan. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't know this was going to be so emotional for me, but uh, my mother has Alzheimer's. And um, she doesn't always know who I am. Uh, and quite honestly, I wish I had the story that my mother could still say God has a plan, but she doesn't. But the thing that struck us, one of the things that struck us as a family is that um, when my mother's mind was slipping away and she didn't, couldn't put everything together, she would still say to us this phrase, God has a plan. Thank you, Lola. I'm like snotting all over your sleeve. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm sorry, now I've got 12 of them out. I didn't know. But it struck me as I thought about what I wanted to share this morning that um, when my mother didn't have a lot going right in her mind, the one thing she still knew and would say to us is God has a plan. Because it was at the very core of her being. Um, that's really what I want to share with you this morning as we have started looking at the first of this year at one big story and if you haven't been here we're looking at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation this year uh, not a little detailed investigation 
but uh, a flyover. What are the big truths? So that somehow we could put together the story of the Bible geographically, chronologically, and the themes, and to see what God is doing so we could see where my life fits in that. And God, yes, God is great, and it is his story, but the amazing thing is in 2019, I have an opportunity to fit my story into his story, and so do you. And the amazing thing is my mother was right in that God doesn't just have a big plan for the world. He gives you the opportunity to fit your story into his story and for what he's doing in your life to fit and be a part of that big story. God has a plan. He has a purpose in the circumstances that he brings to our life. And he has a time when those things occur. It's true not only for what we're going to look at this morning for the next few moments from the life of Moses, but it's true for your life. And when we submit ourselves to God's one big story, then we have an opportunity for our story to make sense and to come together and to be a part of the plan, the purpose, and the timing that God has. Uh, It's not within the scripture that I'm covering today, but Romans 8, 28, Paul says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, when I love God and say, Your glory and you are of more value and worth than anything else in this life, and I commit myself to your purposes and your ways, then our lives, our story lines up with his story and we have an opportunity to make an eternal impact. And so God takes us today and he tells us, I have a plan. And the amazing thing when I think about the life of Moses, and we're just gonna, we're gonna kind of condense it down this morning, is that that plan not only stretches to the future. And I think that's, what I, that's the way I always took what my mother said. God has a plan. You know, trust God today because God has a future. And it may be a dark day, but God has a plan. He's carrying out his plan. What occurred to me this week when I looked at the, the life of Moses is that the plan not only stretches to the future, but the plan stretches to the past. I just, I got to get to some punchlines. It's not as if we pass through a circumstance today and God goes, oh, wow, what are we going to do about this circumstance? No, God knew this circumstance was coming. And his deliverance, his redemption, his plan, his purpose. No, years ago he set in motion the plan for today. And that, if you want, part of what we need to see in one big story, and the story of the Bible is a great God who doesn't fret, and all of a sudden he finds the children of Israel in bondage and oppressed in Egypt and go, oh my, God's up there going, well, what are we going to do? 
I can tell you one story I do know that before the day they needed their deliverance, 80 years before God had set the wheels in motion for the deliverer to be there at the perfect time for what they needed. Do you get it? It did not take God by surprise. God started today's deliverance many years ago. The plan stretches to the future, but it also stretches back into the past. And that's why I thought about my grandfather, Frank Roberts. And what my mother knew from experience is that God has a plan. Um, oh, y'all, let's see, I got about 10 minutes. <laughs> mm. The amazing thing, I, I wanted to introduce Moses to you this morning. He's one of the big characters in the Old Testament. Um, the amazing thing about Exodus 1 through 40 is that it's written by Moses. Moses knew what the backstory was. <laughs> it was his story. He was the one who was raised and his mama had told him the story of how he ended up where he did. And I think even when Moses is 40, by the time he's 80, he still doesn't know how God is using all of that past for what the present need is. But... He was a basket case. Thank you, Lola. That was punny. <laughs> oh, Lola. Uh, but the amazing thing about Exodus 1 through 4 that we look at and how God raised up a deliverer in Moses is that Moses knew the backstory. Story, and I think at some point in the wilderness, Moses goes, wait a second. No, I get it now. I see what God did 80 years ago. Yes, as a basket case of a, a miraculous deliverance. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but uh, I don't really have time to read the scriptures uh, this morning, and that's all right. Um, we do have a handout for you this morning. You can kind of look at some of the sections, but um, basically Exodus, when Moses begins to tell his story, he, he talks about how uh, when we come to the end of Genesis, they are in Egypt. There are 70 of them. <laughs> and, uh, hey, maybe, hey, Peyton, let's go to the timeline. Let me just go to my timeline. <laughs> um, and the people are in the land of Goshen. And the land of Goshen was a very fertile area. And God had a perfect plan. And he, he raised them. He multiplied them. Greatly from 70 people to two and a half million people. And God's plan, he told Abraham, is that he was going to give them a land, many descendants, so that they became a nation and a blessing, such a blessing that all the families of the world would be blessed. And in 350 years, from the time they went to Egypt to the time Moses was born, they multiply greatly. 
And they have a favored position in the land of Goshen that's very fertile so that they grow and they can become two and a half million people. But in the midst of the 350 years, they become so great that they are a threat to the Egyptians so that there is a new king who arises, Exodus 1, who doesn't know Joseph and his favored position and they begin to oppress the Israelite people. And the Israelite people in the course of the 350 years until Moses is born find themselves in oppression and bondage. But God has a purpose. And God raises up a miraculous basket case Moses who has a miraculous deliverance from his birth, born of the tribe of Levi, raised initially in a Hebrew home in the first years from 1525. And these are approximate dates. B.C., raised in a Hebrew home, then in Pharaoh's household and was afforded the best education of the day. Um, Forty years of age, he takes matters into his own hands and goes out one day as a, a man born as a Hebrew and knew that that was his roots. And he sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew and he murders him. If you ever wondered, can God use a sinner? Moses is a murderer. And he takes matters into his own hands, and when it's discovered, he has to flee, and he goes to the land of Midian. It was not God's time to bring deliverance, and Moses did not understand that. And he marries Zipporah, uh, one of Jethro's children, and for the next 40 years until Moses is 80, he is, he is shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law in the desert, God-forsaken land, Brother Ted, that looks a lot like West Texas, called Midian. There's nothing out there. But when we come to Exodus chapter 3, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of his fathers, makes himself known to Moses. And it is a very specific place that is called Horeb and also Mount Sinai. And God appears to Moses in a burning bush and uh, he says that I have heard the cry of my people and I have a covenant with them <laughs> and um, I'm going to deliver them and all the while Moses is shaking his head that's a good plan God that's a good plan until God got to the point where he said and I'm going to send you to lead them and all of a sudden Moses goes I don't know if that's a good plan don't know if that's a good plan. Who am I? Four excuses. Who am I? It's not about you. I'm the God of the universe. I'll be with you. I don't even know your name. He said, my name is Yahweh. In Hebrew, he said, I, and we've sung it this morning, I am. I am present. I am large and in charge is my translation of the Hebrew. I am. No, I'm here. I'm the sovereign Lord over all this. This is my story. I am. Yahweh. Oh, and there's some notes on your sheet. You can look at those about the, the names of God. But this is the personal name of God. Elohim was a generic name. It's like if you were thinking of me, you might call me according to my position. You might call me doctor. There was another name, Adonai, that meant he was master. It was another Hebrew name for God. 
You might think of, you might call me pastor, which is my position. But if you wanted to call me what your, my mama called me, she called me Daryl. That, that is my personal name. And when God, when Moses said, but I don't know your name, he said, I am, I am, I am Yahweh. In the Hebrew, I am. He said they won't believe, and God gave him signs. He said, I can't speak. And he sent Moses, his older brother Aaron, to be his spokesman. God had a plan for all of this time. For the day when you come to 1445 B.C., when the exodus occurs and they leave Egypt deliverance. He had a plan in those 350 years from 1875 to 1525 to place them in a place where they could be raised into a great people, into a nation. They would have never grown into a great nation as nomads in the land of Canaan, and God took them out. And you say, well, but God, in the midst of that place, when you took us to Egypt, we end up, end up, we end up being in bondage. But God wanted them to know that he was the great deliverer. And the reality is, is we can never know that God is deliverer until we have known oppression and bondage. Let that sink in. If they had just been raised up in the land of Canaan, they would have never known that God is redeemer. We'll talk about it next Sunday. That God has the power to redeem, to take two and a half million people out of a land that they have known for 350 years and take them to a land that flows with milk and honey, as he described it. There was purpose and there was a plan in that 350 years. In the first 40 years, when they began to cry out and God set in motion, 80 years later, the deliverer, Moses was the perfect person. Not only was he raised in his Hebrew home, and we have to assume that Moses was raised by his mama in a Hebrew home, and the Hebrew faith was instilled in him in those early years. Let me say to you parents, the greatest time of influence in your child's life is when they get when they, from birth until about four years of age. I'm serious. You can't be on auto parents. Because that was the only window that Moses' mama had with him. And after that, he was taken into Pharaoh's household. And he was trained in the best education in Egypt as a Hebrew young man, which was going to be critical when he came back to lead them out. You say, well, God, what, what, what about the 40 years from age 40 to 80 for Moses? What about that? <laughs> no, there was a purpose and a plan. Because the day was going to come, he was going to be leading 12 and a half million, two and a half million people through the deserts of Sinai. And you needed a man who had been there, done that for 40 years to say, no, this is not the land of Goshen, but this is the land I've lived in. He knew where all the water wells were. He knew where the roads were. He knew everything. God, you understand? God had a purpose. Now, they were dark days. But God had a purpose for those. God was preparing Moses to be the deliverer that the children of Israel needed. Um, when you put all that together, you understand that what God is doing today lines up with what he has been doing 
it all ties into the past and you could the Hebrew way of talking about this was the lineage there was a people there was a lineage that God was going through and what he was doing today lines up with what he had been doing in the past but the deliverance that they needed and we need for today started years ago God started today's deliverance many years ago and it's not just true for Moses and the descendants of Abraham. It has to be true for us. All right. <laughs> That's right. I want you to know that if you will commit yourself, if you will love God with all your heart and be committed to His purpose, then your life will line up with His life in whatever circumstance you have, whatever you find yourself in the midst of today, God is not surprised by that. God is not up in heaven and something's happened this week and God's going, oh my, what are we going to do about this? God knew it was coming. And if you're a child of God, God has lined up His deliverance for today. And for many of us, we could say He started it years ago. And what he was doing. What my mama wanted me to know is you just have to trust God today that he has a plan for the future which stretches years into the past. I think there is a certain benefit in today in taking a little time to reflect on what God has done in your past and why you are where you are today. And many times, I, I don't know that Moses could see it in his life. I think Moses was shocked at the burning bush and what God was asking him to do. There was at some point that he began to reflect back on his life and he goes, wait a second, no, I see it. And there had to be a sense of trust in a sovereign God who engineered all of those circumstances to bring us to today. And then what it does is it gives us a trust for tomorrow. Then wait a second, if God did all that back there, then I can trust him with tomorrow. Moses' way of saying this, I, I think of the scripture, I don't think this is the right reference, but Deuteronomy 15, 15, where Moses, and he says it over and over in Deuteronomy, and he says, do not forget that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And Yahweh, your God, redeemed you and brought you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Never forget. So take some time today as you apply this personally to think about your past and what it is that God started and lined up. Um... In a big picture way, um, our deliverance, our salvation started many years ago. And for most of us, 1900 years before we ever needed a Savior, a Savior died for us. <laughs> and you go, wow, God prepared 1900 years 
before I ever needed it. And I say, oh, well, not exactly. Because some of the biblical writers in the New Testament will say, no, he was slain before the foundations of the earth. It's not even 2,000 years ago that God went, oh, my, I guess we need a Savior for all this mess. No. Even before he created us, he knew the circumstances that would unfold. And God had a plan, he had a purpose, and he had a time for everything that happens. And, and here's my point. If you commit your life to him, you trust that God can take care of my life today. If he took care of my salvation, if he's given us the very best, won't he give us the rest, Romans 8, later in the chapter? Won't he give us all things? If God made that preparation for your salvation, don't you think he made preparation for everything else in your life? Not that everything is good. And I think that's behind what Paul says in Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things, or God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Take some time today to reflect back whatever circumstance you find yourself in today. Um, remember what Sandra Smith would say, God has a plan. It's not taking God by surprise. God's made preparation. He's going to see us through. Uh, we see it in the life of Moses. But God doesn't just, in his story, he doesn't just deal with the big people. He deals with the little people like us. <laughs> as long as our story lines up with his story. Um, here's the great thing about being a pastor. I'll be back next week. I, well, I'm planning. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that presumptuously. I'm planning on being back next week. Um, and I hope that this encourages you. And I appreciate Brother Ted and his words today. And, um, and he's 90 years old. He ought to know something, shouldn't he? I mean, Barbara knows more than he does, but... He knows quite a lot just from living with Barbara, I think. Um, why don't we stand today and uh, as we bow our heads and Brother Shane comes, um, just as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed before we pray, I, I just want you to know that the starting point of lining up our lives, our stories with God's big story, is surrendering our life to the Savior. Whatever your oppression, whatever your bondage, if you will acknowledge that today, Jesus is a great Savior. And He can save you if you only turn to Him and commit your life to Him. We want to give you opportunity to do that this morning. Byron and I are at the front. There may be other areas. There may be a circumstance in your life that you just need to come to the altar and say, God, I acknowledge that you have a purpose and a plan and a timing and that you're still in control regardless of what I may think from my humanness, uh, from my perspective. And so, Father, today we commit all this to you. 
We pray that you would encourage us, continue to, to lead us and guide us, and that our stories would always give glory to your story. And we pray this in Jesus' name.